0: Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 131 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is third-party risk monitoring and auditing strategies. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Before we get started, a word from our sponsor, Bureau Van Dyke, a Moody's analytics company.
1: Today's podcast episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance is sponsored by Bureau Van Dyke, a Moody's analytics company. With information on more than 360 million companies, Bureau Van Dyke is the resource for company data, and they make it simple to compare companies internationally. Their flagship product, Orbis, is used to find, analyze, and compare companies worldwide for better decision making and increase efficiency. Bureau Van Dyke recently announced its new Compliance Catalyst, which is a data-driven decision engine and risk management platform. Powered by Orbis, New Compliance Catalyst is a game-changer because nothing else combines data, technology, and people power into a single platform. Compliance Catalyst can streamline your KYC, AML, and anti-corruption research and make your client onboarding and customer due diligence process more reliable and efficient. Compliance Catalyst offers several unique advantages, including an integrated platform that combines your data, entity data from Bureau Van Dyke, and flexible due diligence screening, automated and enhanced, instant risk preview, and screening against watch lists and adverse media in seconds, customized dashboard, risk profiles and thresholds, screening, and monitoring settings. As part of the Compliance Catalyst platform, several effective modules are provided, including AI-powered adverse media searches and reviews, shareholder power analyses, entity verification and resolution, and integrated enhanced due diligence services. If interested in a demo of the new Compliance Catalyst platform, please contact Bureau Van Dyke at americas at vdinfo.com or call 1-212-797-3550.
0: Well, today's episode is a follow-on to episode 129 about creating a third-party risk profile. I wanted to circle back and uh, talk about the issue of Uh, risk monitoring and auditing strategies with regard to third parties after you have created your uh, risk profile for your company in terms of uh, understanding your third-party risks. Um, Let's start with uh, just talking about the required 10 elements of a third-party risk program, which includes written policies and procedures, business sponsor participation, obviously predefined tier levels of risk and requirements for due diligence, and, and we're gonna talk about monitoring and auditing. Uh, but uh, you may have a high risk, medium risk, low risk, uh, basic due diligence, enhanced due diligence, uh, obviously a risk ranking process with consistent risk rule application, a red flag protocol to identify and resolve red flags, Uh, Certain contractual certifications, internal review and approval uh, process, uh, advice of counsel and documentation, and a rational assessment of representational vendors and suppliers. And the last part, which we're going to talk about today, is monitoring and auditing your program strategies to reflect the risks. Um, First, we start with one assumption that, and hopefully this is true for your program, is that your, that your third parties are in the, managed through an automated program. Uh, automation is imperative today. Uh, effective risk uh, identification requires gathering and analyzing more and more information. Um, it's time consuming and uh, automation, automated platforms make it a whole lot easier. Uh, so it's really an effective strategy for managing workflows and for managing information flows. So intelligent automated systems basically provide efficient information presentation and ranking. Um, so that's, that's where we go. Uh, it maintains, you know, you want to have a database with red, yellow, and green risk assignments, uh, and then thresholds are based on, you know, the class of the third party uh, and also the, uh, the amount of revenue. Uh, those are the two factors we talked about before in terms of whether it's an agent or distributor who represents you and uh, the amount of money and the geographic location. And we need to have investigation and resolution rules. So to build your third party uh, and scale your third party program, We've talked about the business justification, the entity uh, validation, in other words, uh, validating who you're dealing with, uh, the risk-based screening and approval process uh, and onboarding, and then we have monitoring and reporting uh, requirements, and that's what we're going to uh, get to today. But all of this uh the more mature your program, the more robust uh, your, your you know each of these levels become in terms of uh, automated using an automated platform for that. Um, so that's uh, that sort of the sets the stage for what we're talking about here. Uh, and how do we get to monitoring our third parties? If you have an automated platform, the most basic automated uh, function is that if there's any change in the status of the third party, you receive some kind of notice, uh, about that. Let's say somebody from the, the CEO is arrested, uh, whatever it is, uh, you would then get, uh, certain, uh, notifications and have to deal with that. Uh, this could be a new red flag, for example, and how you deal with that. So, um, Basically, we are risk ranking our third parties, uh, you know, probably twice a year, uh, and we respond to that open source intelligence information of let's say third party involvement in misconduct. The important thing, the important question here is, what kind of uh, issues do you want to have trigger that notification? If somebody has a lawsuit filed against it for labor, uh, you know, an employment, an employee dispute and it's in a different country in which your operations are, you're not going to necessarily really care about that. Otherwise, you can get easily inundated with too much information in terms of these notifications. So you really have to be uh, careful about how you set the notices and what kind of triggers that you want to get those notices. Um, And then you assign monitoring tools based upon uh, your, your relative risk ranking for your third parties. Uh, in other words, you can have for all your third parties, you can have certain notices, uh, that come in and then what you're going to do in response, but you have to make sure, uh, that you may have a more robust response for your higher risk candidates, uh, who receive, let's say a higher risk type of notice. Like you have a high risk candidate and suddenly you find out that employee, Or a high-risk entity and you find out that an employee is uh was arrested in your country for uh, corruption for bribery or something um so there also has to be a a change in status in other words where something comes up and you uh, learn about something then there has to be let's say more rigorous financial controls more rigorous routine monitoring uh, and you have to document your monitoring strategy and obtain uh, advice of counsel sort of approval for that monitoring strategy. Now remember, your tools for monitoring any response includes uh, desk audits, transaction testing, uh, site visits, spot checks, invoice verifications, unannounced visits or meetings, like I'm saying, annual training, uh, more frequent certifications, refreshed due diligence, additional training, compliance, reminders, things like that. We also want to look at what are some of the common issues that come up for investigation. Let's say all of a sudden you find out uh, that there's government ownership or there somebody from the government has bought uh, a portion of the company. Uh, that you're dealing with or that you find out about an affiliation that you didn't know about before, these are common red flags that you have to have a pretty robust response to. Obviously, if somebody gets put on a sanctions list, or let's say it's a sectoral sanctions list, then you have to take a look at that as well. I mentioned civil, cr- civil allegations of misconduct or convictions. Those, again, whether or not it relates to your core risk areas, your core uh, areas of operations, regulatory allegations and violations, and then obviously any other reputational concerns and red flags, child labor, child uh, human trafficking allegations, things like that that could raise hu- reputational concerns. Now, when we look at financial controls, uh, it's important to understand these because it's a great way to stay on top of your Third parties, it's a great way to monitor, and you can get, for example, accounts payable people to help you, uh, uh, um, accounts receivable people to help you. Uh, These are people who deal with this in the trenches on a day-to-day basis, and they get to know things, and they can become uh, eyes and ears for you. So for example, uh, we may break down the internal approval process for payments to vendors, Uh, or agents, and uh, or the receiving funds from agents or distributors. And the SEC has placed a great focus on this invoice-to-payment process for your vendors and and your third parties. And we always see in a corruption case an extensive discussion of the invoice-to-payment process because there's usually a breakdown in that process in terms of the controls. And there has to be coordination uh, with compliance and controls uh, for these controls for review, authorization, and payment process. In addition, when you're dealing with distributors and you're dealing with uh, sub-distributors, we get very tricky issues that come up with regard to marketing fund allowance payments, um, rebates, uh, these types of uh, discounts, um, and more and more controls are being put in place over those and centralized control, because we saw, for example, with Microsoft last year, uh, the uh, discounting process was uh, subject to such variation that they were able to, the salespeople were easily able to manipulate it as a way to fund bribery schemes. So third party, uh, so the, we also want to include uh, some of these controls in our contractual Uh, obligations to justify invoices that have documentation and explanations for services provided. This is a particularly big issue with regard to agents who may be there uh, trying to land contracts with the government for you. Uh, Distributors uh, who may uh, all of a sudden uh, claim to also provide uh, sort of consulting services on the side, on the market. We gotta make sure that they are uh, documented and their robust explanations and justifications and a trigger and a requirement in your contract that they cannot, um, they won't be paid unless they provide uh, those types of uh, uh, documented uh, justifications. So we also look at, uh, so these controls, the invoice to payment process, understanding all of the the controls that surround uh, money and how does money Uh, money go out the door and how does money come uh, in the door as well. We always want to identify suspicious expenditures and that's something that we're going to use in our monitoring, our financial monitoring. Uh, And for example, accounts payable are usually great uh, at picking up you know charges that there's no justification for or unusual situations and then they may uh, in that situation flag it for you and basically bring that to you and say here's a red flag accounts payable people are great at that so you identify suspicious uh, expenditures or expenses Uh, you flag the relationship or the expense for follow-up review You also can have transaction monitoring. In other words, uh, look for unusual transactions, set up rules for which there would be unusual transactions, something that's unusual uh, in the nature of uh, day-to-day business relationships with certain of your vendors and suppliers. Um, And you follow up audits on relationships and your payments. Uh, And I've talked already about, uh, for your high-risk third parties, creating sort of these high-risk partnerships Uh, monitoring partnerships where you have, uh, for example, a business representative that's in more contact with, uh, with the third party than usual. And you're also then going to include yourself Uh, as a compliance person to maybe uh, sit down with the business person, even sit down with a third party if that is a a big enough relationship and and it's a high risk enough and and monitor and sort of monitor the relationship through the business person. Make sure that give the business person certain, um, you know, checklists on things that you want to find out about and you want to double check or you want to make sure that they're looking at. We also see in terms of uh, um, uh, training, uh, third-party training is a big issue, obviously a big requirement and getting certifications. The Justice Department and the SEC expect uh, training of third parties. Uh, Most people, if uh, if I know that the third party has its own training program or its own compliance program and I've reviewed it, uh, obviously that's going to be good enough for me. Uh, But if they don't have a program, or it's not very robust, or they don't provide much training, then uh, I may give them access to an online program. And again, uh, depending upon the risk ranking of the third party, uh, that's going to guide the type and the frequency within that. Uh, Certifications are used as well in terms of uh, having third party codes, distributor supplier codes, or annual certification programs. Those are quick controls that can be added to uh, the list as well. Now, in terms of audits, uh, there you know the Justice Department uh, has been concerned that people with their third-party contracts are getting audit rights but not exercising the rights. Uh, most companies that I see now will execute. Uh, even mid-sized companies will probably do, let's say, three. Uh, audits a year of third parties. Now, these can be not as robust as, you know, taking two weeks and looking through every, every book, every transaction, uh, but um, depending upon the size, these can be things that are done within two or three days, uh, may require a forensic accountant to go with, uh, let's say a compliance person, and these can, can be done well uh, and can be done quickly. Uh, Depending upon the size, if it's a bigger third party, obviously, that's going to take uh, more time and more resources. But it's something to obviously factor into uh, your program in that that respect. Proactive sampling of third-party transactions. So here, remember, I, I love the idea of, of transaction sampling. Look for any, Looking for anomalies in high-risk accounts. Remember your focus is immaterial transactions. In other words, it's not going to be millions of dollars. Uh, these are going to be transactions to... That, that look like a reoccurring pattern or a weird type of a set of transactions, something that, that causes you uh, to say, this is something unusual. Uh, and you, people are using, this is where we're using uh, data analytics in uh, a quick way to sort of get access to the financial transactions. And then finance, forensic accountants or internal audit or whatever programs there are can basically help you uh, in this process to set up some kind of uh, regular program. Uh, and again, we're focusing on high-risk accounts. Uh, we have a we need to develop a sampling protocol, and we risk rank these financial operations by region, country, or product uh, or service. So, this is part of your audit rights now is to exercise some kind of sampling of third party transactions uh, and we've seen a range of sophistication here, but a range of access as well uh, sometimes uh, you know the uh, the third party is not so sophisticated and they have written books and that's about it you know uh, literally handwritten books of transactions. That makes it more difficult, obviously. The more sophisticated it is and it has its own uh, ERP system and then you you get greater access to data. But it's something that needs to be done. And uh, so we also will look at and get access to hopefully trial balance accounts if they'll give it to you. Uh, But it's difficult, obviously, without an ERP system uh, if you're, if the third party is relying on spreadsheets, but you got to do the best that you can uh, in these situations. Uh, the easier it is, the more ERP systems there are, the better it is for remote uh, access. But uh, you may have to, in some sense, uh, uh, have people on the ground to do that. But we want to look at sort of uh, for the transactions: Are there ad- is there adequate documentation? Uh, We want to look for duplicate transactions, proper justification, um, compliance with controls, comparison of uh, vendor data with your employees, by the way. That's a common tactic, Uh, agents or distributors data. And uh, if necessary, we may look and ask for access to emails and surrounding communications uh, if needed. Uh, but I find it's uh, hard to get the surrounding communications these days because most uh, people aren't using email. They're, they're texting and using WhatsApp, and the access to it uh, gets to be pretty difficult. So in any event, these are some of the strategies that we can use in the risk monitoring area with our third parties. Uh, and again, this goes back to episode 129 when we talked about third-party risk profiles. So now we can merge this Uh, all together and try to come up with a a sort of soup to nuts third-party risk management program. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics of compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. Check out our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime and Compliance, and, of course, the podcast series. You can always contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we do I never ever saw the Northern Lights.
2: I never really heard of cluster flies. Never ever saw the stars so bright. Things will be alright I never ever saw the northern lights I never really heard of cluster flies Never ever saw the stars so things will be all-